0: Hi, Kelly Resendez here, author of Big Voices, and I am excited to start this next episode of Chasing Dreams with Amy J.
1: Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J., Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now, here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams Amy J. <laughs>
2: Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 166 of Chasing Dreams. Before we go any further, guys, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for not just your monetary support, but for also believing in my mission to help inspire, empower, and equip people to chase their dreams. Your help makes it possible for me to continue that work. For more information on our Patreon campaign, and or if you'd like to donate a dollar a month to help keep the show going, you can learn more at amyj21.com slash Patreon. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. June Chasers, I want you to meet Kelly Resendez. She is a mom, business executive, best selling author, and influencer. She loves helping others with strategies to overcome self-sabotage and find more joy author of the new and already popular book, Big Voices. She is also the founder of the movement the book is named for, Big Voices, a woman-empowered network. Kelly is passionate about helping people increase joy, reduce suffering, and learn to think differently. Her own journey has helped her create the strategies and tools that she shares throughout her books. Currently, Kelly is the executive vice president of Paramount Partners Group, which is a division of Lone Pal. She uses the same concepts of mindfulness self-discovery, and goal-setting to help those in the mortgage and real estate industries create a successful business. Without further ado, guys, here's Kelly.
0: Hey, Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi there, Amy. I'm so excited to be here with you and your listeners. So your book, Big Voices, came
2: across my um, communications, if you will, and it caught my eye because I I was looking at it and reading it, and I was like, wow, this is an important topic. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but, you know, just so that the audience can get a better sense of where this kind of came from, what, what prompted you to write such a book?
0: I am absolutely certain that, you know, when all of us gain wisdom and we're able to write a new story for ourselves, Part of that journey is in sharing it with other people because we see so many people that are lost, that are out there and maybe just struggling with self-suffering or just doubt in their lives. And in going through that process myself, you know, I really wanted to create a manual per sorts for somebody to be able to write a new story for themselves and, and really just understand that you're not alone that all of us struggle with self-sabotage. And we have so much power to be able to overcome a lot of the overthinking and fear and anxiety that many of us have in life. So it really was just prompted through my own personal growth journey that started about 15 years ago. And as I gained all this wisdom and, you know, I tried a lot of things that didn't work and I wanted to help people kind of speed up that process so that they could get to, you know, authenticity and self-actualization faster than what i did
2: which is you know awesome because if we can cut down the time the more time they have to enjoy life and i i love that and what you're doing giving back in that way if we go back though more than 15 years let's let's go back to teenage kelly did teenage kelly have these issues or
0: self-sabotage that's normal yeah teenage kelly was really sleepy Um, To be honest with you, you know, I would tell you that I was definitely in a fishbowl. I grew up in a small town in Northern California and I just was not conscious and awake to the fact that, you know, I could, I could choose how to live life. I was a pleaser and I was a perfectionist and I was somebody that was constantly seeking attention and, and really just significance from other people. So I didn't know who I was and I probably had fun, but at the same time I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't really know who I was. And, you know, I'm grateful that my awakening that happened Um, you know, in the early 2000s really shattered all of those things. And I fully, you know, found this journey to figure out who I was independent of seeking attention or confirmation from other people that I was important. And so really that teenage version of myself is, it's a, you know, it's a distant, um, journey from where I am today. Mm -hmm. However, I mean, I do appreciate a lot of the, um, I would say, you know, character and attributes that I had back then, because I was still driven. And I was definitely still compassionate and cared about other people. But I really didn't even know what I wanted to do in my life, simply because I was seeking, you know, other people's approval constantly.
2: Do you remember, and, and I think it happens often with children,
0: right? when you were fearless? Yeah, I definitely do. You know, having studied, you know, a lot about neuroscience and mm-hmm. psychology to to really further my own growth, I, I recognized that, you know, when my frontal lobe kicked on, it was definitely in second grade. I went from, you know, running free, like all the other kids, not really worried about, you know, whether I was invited or included or anything like that to you know, really just kind of recognizing like, oh, I need to simulate now whether this person's going to like me. If I say this, is that good? Is it bad? That kind of thing. So I definitely can recall, you know, when some of my wounds um, that I would probably say started uh, with that inner child that I have and have been able to kind of push past some of the subconscious um, fears that had been guiding my, my adult life even. So many of us just don't recognize that, so many of the experiences that we have as children actually just build walls up. Yeah. Um, and, and they create that fear. And so I definitely remember kind of going through and, and figuring out it was second grade. It was actually because I really liked a boy and that boy really didn't like me. Oh, my. And yeah. It's just something so simple that can create. That triggered whether it. it's, Yeah. Fear of rejection, fear of embarrassment. You know, and you look back on it and as, a, as an adult and you're like, wow, that's so silly, but it's human; it's just part of our, our humanness that our brains, you know, just when our frontal lobe kicks in, it's just trying to produce similar feelings and emotions from the first time that we experience something because it takes less work for our brain. And so we've got to rise out of that and just become really mindful of how that subconscious can can drive us if if we allow it to. So in t- in having
2: this conversation and talking about how you know it's natural to become fearful to begin having doubts and self-sabotaging ourselves, self-limiting beliefs and and the such, at such a young age, you know, hindsight being what it is, if you could go back, what is something we could do to kind of help us get over that at an earlier age? Is there anything we could do?
0: I have tried tremendously, Mm -hmm. even with my own children, to keep them wide awake and really just make sure that they're prepared for living life mindfully, where their peers may not be because their peers aren't getting, you know, the mentorship or whatnot. And, and what I've really found is that it's just going to unfold naturally for everyone that's on this journey. I mean, it really is, you know, it's something that you can't force and it's not something that, you know, most of us can even affect. Um, Because what normally happens is we have to endure enough pain in our life where we wake up and most of us don't just make that decision on our own. Now, I think that the more awake and present that you are, the easier it is to avoid it. However, I, I, I don't believe that society as a whole really allows for that. I mean, when you look at social media and people wanting to be a part of something, you know, and, and conform and, and you're constantly with our children, you know, telling them, don't compare yourself to others, but then you turn around and you compare them to others. You know, there's so many mixed messages that, that we receive as children that it's extremely difficult to avoid any of this. You know, I look at like emotional eating, you know, pretty much most people are emotional eaters. And you think about how did that begin? And from an early age, we're given food to soothe an emotional state of discomfort that we're having, whether we're crying or being rewarded or being punished by being told that we aren't going to get a snack. I mean, you see it all over the place. And it's like, well, we've been using food since we were extremely young to pacify our emotions. And, and so to rise out of that, where you make a decision like, I will no longer allow food to emotionally soothe me. I mean, it just takes work and it just takes, you know, it takes willpower. Willpower is not all we need. I mean, you really have to be awake and and be able to see it for what it is, but we've been, we've been pretty programmed. So unless you have parents that are mindful and intentional about raising their children in direct opposition to the way the rest of society is raising their children, it's going to be really difficult.
2: And I and I asked that question mostly um, because I I don't believe we we don't really have young kids listening, but we do have parents. And it's important that you guys are aware of what you can do to help a younger generation fight that, because if we can start it early, it's an important thing
0: because you're going to get a lot of practice. Absolutely. And, you know, what I would tell you is somebody said, what's the greatest lesson that you want to teach your kids right now? And, Mm -hmm. you know, my kids are 13 and 15 and, and I look at them directly and I say, you know what, I've taught my kids how to be lonely. And they looked at me, you know, they, they look at me and they kind of question it. And I say, you know, I basically am like at the level of consciousness that I aspire to have. And I aspire my children to have, there's not a lot of people that are at that same level, and they're going to continuously start moving down the ladder to be able to get connection unless i teach them about the space that they're in. And so, you know, what i what i tell people it's just important when you choose to create a different life for yourself that you've got to create connection. You've got to go out and find tribes, you've got to, you know, connect with people. It doesn't come naturally. It's not just going to naturally happen on the soccer field or or in your parents, you know, parents of of kids that all go to school together. Like you have to be really intentional about creating the proximity of people that are going to support where you are in your life.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And something you said, which kind of triggered another thought I had was um, about being lonely. And, you know, oftentimes I think one of the biggest differences I have from some other people just by nature is I'm okay being by myself, being comfortable yes. with who I am and that I don't, I mean, it, it's always a plus guys, uh, that I don't have to have people around me. It'd be great, but if I had to spend a day by myself, I wouldn't lose my mind. And do you, do you think in all the years of your studies and personal development work,
0: people have that issue? Absolutely. I mean, I think that as humans, We are meant to be in connection. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that love and contribution are why we're here. So having, you know, just really starting with self-love is where we need to begin. And, you know, I'm an introvert, so I need alone time. And I didn't know this before I started this journey. I was constantly, I was the social coordinator for my entire you know, office and my friends and everyone else. And it was just, before I was done with one vacation, I was planning another, it was just constantly... There, there was just never enough to do. And so when I went through my transformation and I really found who I was at my core, I realized that I relish in my time alone, mm-hmm. whether it was being out in nature, taking a walk or a bath or reading a book and getting to that place where I'm filled internally and all the external goodness and connection is just, you know, kind of gravy on top You know, it's amazing and I love it, but I'm also really good being alone. But it took really, really, really a long time for me to be okay because I wanted for so many times just to go back. You know, I wanted to go back so that I'd have more connection with people that maybe I wasn't, you know, I wasn't meant to be that connected to because they didn't, they just weren't like-minded. And so that was a big piece of my struggle. And I coach people on on that all the time is just find a tribe. And if you don't have one, create one. You know, set out to connect with more people that are mindful and, you know, growth oriented or also believe in, you know, having more, you know, self-worth or, or whatnot, because otherwise you can get just sucked back in to the person that you were before.
2: You know, it's interesting you say that about the tribe and the concept of that. A lot of us, myself included, have, I, I don't want to say different masks we wear, but we have different lives, right? We have our, I have my day job. I yeah. have this after day job fun that I'm doing here with podcasts and whatnot. And I have different tribes for each. And sometimes I think that people are afraid of having different tribes. They can only have one, but because they are also interested in something else, it's like they, they feel split it so when you say tribes and you know with life whether it's grade school high school um which i guess is still grade school but college post-college you know whatever it is work friends we often hold on to people that we don't necessarily should hold on to and sometimes we don't hold on to people we need to and it changes with our environment so
0: is it possible to have more than one tribe Absolutely. So, I mean, what I would tell you is that there is just a big difference between toxic people, like the people that hold you back, or if you're, you know, you're pushing to increase your wellness or other things, and they're, you know, completely on the opposite side, like, hey, let's go grab a pitcher of beer and eat some wings. You know, you really have to kind of start to draw good boundaries for yourself. But, there's also, you don't want to walk away from every friend that may not have everything in common with you. You know, and I share this in my book that, Mm -hmm. you know, when I started down this path, I really alienated myself from people that loved me unconditionally Mm -hmm. and were my biggest cheerleaders. They weren't necessarily living the same purpose as me. However, They absolutely were there to be by my side, you know, really just pushing me and and whatnot. And so I learned the tough lesson of like, it's really important how you create these tribes that are around you. And so I have different tribes just like you do. I have work tribes, people that are in the same industry as me, Mm -hmm. that face commonalities. I have You know, my tribe that is, it's called M1, which is amazing. It's just a group of people across the world that are seeking financial freedom and personal growth and development and whatnot. And and then I just have a tribe of women that, you know, we're all coming from different walks of life and they support me in a different way. And so I think that you just have to be open to more and, and just be really careful because one of the things that I hear constantly is just proximity is power. You're only successful as the five closest people to you. The challenge is, it's how do we define success? You know, if you're somebody that's really achievement focused, you know, you might be surrounding yourself with people that are achievers, but they're not fulfilled and they don't have inner peace. So you just got to be really cautious about how you go through that weeding out process and you don't weed out people that really love you unconditionally and are going to be there for you no matter what.
2: I think that's a huge point. I think that's a huge point because I've heard different um, influencers, right? Because there are so many thought leaders and influencers out there and many have different viewpoints of that concept and how if they aren't helping you immediately, they shouldn't be in your inner circle. Just keep them out, but at the same time, there's a balance I think to to everybody, and, and you got to kind of what you said. Be mindful of how you're weeding people out, because sometimes you weed out the ones you need most.
0: Absolutely, and and really, like you've got to figure out what's really important to you, because work is important, and you know, being successful on your job or in your career and creating, you know a stable finance platform for yourself is really important but love is more important than that. And often when we when we get pulled into the personal growth world, if you don't balance it with the spiritual world, you your pendulum is just going to swing too far and you are going to alienate the people that just it's just not as important to them. Maybe they'd rather coach their son's, you know, baseball team than work another 10 hours and you know, I look at kind of that pound hustle movement that's taken place where Mm -hmm. so many people are just really into this, you know, you've got to be grinding and that's the, that's the way to success. And it's like, well, I get them when they're burnt out after that. And I've been there before. Mm -hmm. I've been a hustler. I've, I've burnt out. I've, you know, dropped to my knees and, and just had to fully surrender that there was a different way and there's balance that's possible with achievement. You just have to be really, really aware of it.
2: So it's interesting. Uh, so as we're recording this, guys, it is actually Mental Health Illness Awareness Week. And mental health is a huge, it's important to me. I think it's, it should be important to a lot of people. But I think what Kelly is saying is on point for a lot of things, because when you burn out, oftentimes it's not because of the physical. physicality is part of it, but a lot of it is you're exhausted mentally, emotionally, fatigued. It's just there. So the question is, who's going to be there for you at the end of that. With
0: yeah, and who who's going to help lift you up when things don't work out because I'll tell you like in business things can be going great for like 5 years in a row and then the market can shift or you mm-hmm. know something changes technology replaces you know some jobs or things like that and part of it in this is in this journey is you have to learn how to be resilient and open for change and open to ask yourself, like, what's great about this? Like, how can I transform and be able to move forward? And, you know, since you brought it up with it being mental health week, you know, we're seeing like upwards of 20% of women are going on anti-psychiatric medication. So this superwoman syndrome is real. It's real. Women like don't realize like the more anxious we are the less sleep we get the more cortisol and adrenaline surges through our body it doesn't know how to deal with it it just continuously gets worse and you know if we don't if we don't find a way to change how we feel about life it's going to continuously get worse and so we've got to be so intentional about getting our priorities straight about being present and not allowing you know, the technology changes that have occurred to distract us from what's really important, which is human connection.
2: Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, and the thing is, guys, be mindful of who you are listening to, including us. Uh, but oftentimes, don't feel like you can just pick and choose what is being said. Oftentimes, these influencers are also telling you that mental health, your, your well-being is important. Your familial relationships are important and should be your priority. But if you just kind of gloss over that and think, no, I don't need that, here's a rude awakening. You do. And your health is important. And that plays a part in it.
0: Completely. And I think what gets lost is, you know, there's a process to really creating the life that you want to live. And it's going to start with, you know, really getting clear on your priorities and then creating a vision. And your vision is just really how you want to feel. Like, how do you define success? Like, what what do you really want to seek for yourself? Because most people just start with goals. And the problem with goals is you're just going to write new goals and more new goals and more new goals. And you're just going to get stuck in that place of, if only I have this amount of money or if only I get this promotion, then I'll be happy then I won't have anxiety. Then I'll be able to sleep better at night. And the way that our brains work, it's just, it's just, it's a hamster wheel. It's always going to keep moving the needle for you. And there's never going to be that moment where you just feel absolutely filled with joy and gratitude, which is really where most of us want to be. You know, I, I ask people all the time, like, really figure out where you are today. When you open your eyes in the morning, if you are just Bathed with this idea of like gratitude for being here for another day, an opportunity to be able to, you know, grow and see every, you know, challenge is just this opportunity, then you're in a good place. If you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, not again. I can't believe this is happening at work or my kids are this or whatnot. Like, you have such power to change this. And that's what I would encourage your listeners to know is that if you aren't living every day like filled with joy, regardless of what's happening externally, you can change that. It's possible.
2: Let's talk about that. Because I think, uh, you know, for a lot of people, they often think it's too late because of age, because of societal norms, if you can even say they're norms, just what people typically see, right? And you talk a lot in your book about the little voice that's in your head as you're talking about it. And how do people get past that? How do people who are in a position that they're not happy with, maybe they don't realize they're happy, but, you know, go to a job that they're just "Eh," about, or maybe it's a job they love, but when they come home, they're just not feeling fulfilled because of whatever they have going on. They're just not feeling challenged afterwards. What can they do to either evaluate, to look at themselves about it? And what can they do?
0: First, you have to start with an absolute belief that there's a different way. So that's first. I mean, you need to connect with people that are living this life authentically today that have found a way to maintain joy and suffer simultaneously. Because let me tell you, my life is not void of challenges. I have just as many challenges as the next person. It's that I've made a decision that I will not allow these challenges to steal my joy. And that's where you just have to make that decision. Number two You're gonna have to figure out what blocks stand in the way between this life that you wanna experience differently and the life that you're living today. So, we always have two choices do I change how I perceive my current situation, or do I change my current situation? It's one or the other. Like, writing a new story doesn't mean you need to get a divorce, quit your job, kick your kids out of the house, like, on and on and on it just might be you need to shift the way that you're feeling about him because our brains i mean if you're familiar with rumination it is absolutely what our brains do it's just that's just where we just have repetitive thoughts over and over and over and the downside is that we usually have those repetitive thoughts over negative things not positive things like most people don't lose sleep at night because they're so you know focused on thinking about how a coworker made them feel special that day. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't we don't have repetitive thoughts about that. We have repetitive thoughts about, you know, when our boss made some comment and we're not sure if they were questioning our performance or not. And so those are the things that keep us up at night. And so you have to just make that choice that there's another way. And then you have to get some help because once you create this vision Part of it is you've got to be clear as to what help that you need. And some of you might need help, you know, removing limiting beliefs or identifying self-sabotage or coming out of isolation and building, you know, a group of people to be able to support you or getting a deeper connection that God or the universe is actually on your side and is going to orchestrate everything around pushing you towards this vision. So all of us have different blocks that are involved. So we've got to remove those blocks. And then the next piece is just when you get your goals done, you've got to be committed to them with discipline because you're going to have to override years of making decisions by how you felt. Most of us, the reason why we aren't as healthy or happy or successful that we know that we should be is because we are asking ourselves, how do I feel? Do I feel like eating kale? Do I feel like working out? Do I feel like making five more calls on my job? Do I feel like looking for a new job? Do I feel like this? Do I feel like that? And so we've got to quit asking ourselves that. That's what's guiding us in the wrong direction. We just need to commit to discipline and start taking action and trust that when we do that, we're going to get to fulfillment. And over time, we're probably going to feel like doing the things that are going to create more success for ourselves because now we've got habitual patterns that are formed. So hopefully, Amy, that makes sense because it's just this process that one has to go through to get to self-actualization. We could spend a lifetime looking at amazing people and how much potential that they have and, and then hitting our head against the wall because they haven't actualized it. And so none of those people are going to actualize it unless they make the decision. You know, I love when Mel Robbins says, no one's coming. No one's going to save you. Like, it's all on you. Like, we have to independently start with that decision that I am so powerful that I can create whatever possibility for my life that I can envision. And when you believe that in your bones, your life will completely transform.
2: The thing that you said that's interesting is that no one's coming. Mel Robbins said that, but... uh The thing that you talked about is how we have to make that decision ourselves, empowerment of sorts, right? We have to actually acknowledge it, accept it, embrace it, and move forward with that knowledge. And I think oftentimes when people, this is an observation mostly, that when people look at others and are envious or jealous and think, man, I wish that was my life. I think oftentimes that we forget that we can have that life. We could do it. And it's just as simple as what you said, accepting that, taking that first step of acknowledging that you have that power to do so. And it's just, Um, it's funny to me that uh, so many people don't realize something's as simple as, yes, you can.
0: Well, and we, I mean, what I would tell you Mm -hmm. is it's simple, but it's the most difficult thing that you'll ever do in your life. Yes. Yes. So it's almost like, how can it be so simple? And yet it's one of the most difficult things that you'll do in your life. And that's really where your little voice comes in. You know, when we do compare and we envy and we believe that someone's going to rescue us, that's just our little voice keeping us small. Now, I wish that we weren't created this way, but I've also accepted that we're created this way we are created and programmed to have this other voice that is the imposter, that is the enemy, that is our ego, that's holding us back from our highest self. And we just have to accept it. And so when you have a strategy, which, you know, I call it my thought management strategy in the book, it's kind of what I would tell you, it's, it's almost like an alternative to meditation for Mm -hmm. type A people. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried the meditation thing, I still meditate, but you know, I am not one of those spiritual woo-woos. I still want to get into the boardroom and, and you know, kick butt in business. And, and I've got a really good balance between, you know, the two worlds. And so what I would tell you is that when you realize that this little voice just is is with you, the entire time. It's never going to go away. I tried to slay the little voice. I tried to stop the thoughts and emotions from occurring. And over a period of time, I just realized it was impossible to do. I just accepted it. And now I honor my little voice because I know it's just that second grade girl that's saying, oh, don't put yourself out there too far because you might be embarrassed or, you know, that's not going to feel right. Other kids are going to laugh at you or whatever it is. And you know, I just give it, I, I just, I say, thank you. You know, thank you for trying to protect me, but I've got this, like failure is not an option in my life. You know, I'm going to try and try again, even if it doesn't work. And so when you really use the thought management strategy to kind of, you know, make a list of all the things that your little voice says, and make a list of all the highest, most empowering thoughts that you've ever had, and you just start to choose which ones guide your life, it will change everything because when you start documenting all of the nonsense that our little voice creates for us it adds up and if you give it power it's it's going to take over and it's going to start driving your life and and we're talking about probably 95% of people out there are sleepy and being driven by their subconscious so we're only talking about about 5% of people are really at that that place of you know, maximum consciousness where they're aware of how it shows up and they make life choices. And so when you make this decision, holy moly, any possibility that you have for yourself is possible.
2: You you talk about um, something. I've been thinking about this, oddly enough, ironically, this morning about how our little voice is synonymous with the ego. Yes. And it's interesting because I was thinking today about how different life would be if I just would admit like if things happened and something bad happens, it's because I arrogantly think that I can handle it all. But what would happen if I flipped it and my ego was humble of sorts? And I admit to mistakes. I admit, hey, I'm not perfect and need help. So can you talk a little bit about how the ego is in control so much? A little bit about how in your book you talk about that, but what we can do with that ego, that little voice, and overcome it
0: or change it? Yeah. So, you know, the first place that you begin this consciousness journey is just the acceptance that we're not our thoughts and we're not our emotions either. When you do that, you can start really separating from them. and, And we don't really understand, you know, most of us believe that ego or little voice or any of these other things are created when our frontal lobe started simulating our life for us. And so as you really witness all that is said from this place, and you look back on, you know, your life, and for me, I look back on, you know, the last, you know, 34 years or whatnot that I've been living, I can really recognize where the the transition happened, where before I was just driven by habit, I was driven by subconscious, I was emotionally triggered on a daily basis, I felt disappointed in other people constantly and was just anxious about, you know, success or, or anything like that. And When I decided to really start separating from my ego, what it allowed for, was it just allowed for more joy in my life? Because if anxiety showed up, I didn't resist it. You know, and so many people say what you resist will persist. And I can tell you that's what's happening with your ego because a lot of us fight it and then worse yet we beat ourselves up for it. So it's bad enough when you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, then if you don't like that you don't like what you see, it just constantly compounds and it it affects our confidence and how we really show up in our life. And so when you look at ego as being okay, there's just this protective shell that I've built around my heart and my life that doesn't need to be there because if I'm in a place of absolute trust and choice, that I can create whatever life that I want, and that once I'm able to be humbled by my humanness and ask for help, like you said, Amy, that everything is literally going to be like just drawn towards my success. And I'm living proof of that. I mean, from a manifestation standpoint, the things that I've been able to manifest in my life simply because I was so clear about what help I needed, whether it was, I am literally emotionally tied to food. Like just, I, I saw it, I knew it. It was, you know, as if I had a bad day, it was, what am I going to eat? What's going to make me feel better about this day? And I actually, you know, and in, in really just praying and I'm an extremely faith-based person. So my manifestation definitely is, is, um, you know, coming from God, but it it just came to this point where it was like, wow, my girlfriend that you know has worked for Tony Robbins on Fiji, it is wellness retreats happening to come into town, and I get four solid days with her trapped in a house because it's raining outside. And by the time I walk out of that house, I'm over my emotional attachment to food. You know, and it just the more you get clear on the help that you need, the more it's going to keep showing up. Yeah,
2: I definitely think. It- you know, vulnerability is important and understanding. I think oftentimes we think one way about ourselves and kind of not realizing there there's there's other ways to look at it. Changing your perspective is a very powerful tool, guys.
0: It is. and And the truth is, is that I wish that I could tell every single person on this call, like, here's how you can feel. Beautiful, amazing, feel like a masterpiece, all these other things. But I can't, just tell you that and have you embody it. But what I can tell you is that you just need to replace patterns that are so deep. And, you know, I start every morning with my morning rituals and part of it is going through my I am statements. And part of my I am statements are, I am courageous. I am a masterpiece. I am armed. I am joy. I am peace. And I just, it's just every day I step into the mindset of what I know a big, voice, you know, warrior in life is going to be like, and I just embody it. And maybe I'm not hundred percent there yet, but you know what? Sure makes life easier when something happens. I just, I can put my shoulders back and own my power and, and just, you know, it happens mostly with my 13 year old son is is just (laughs) honestly look at him and say, you're not going to steal my joy. You're, you're trying really hard, sweetheart, but you're not going to steal my joy. (laughs) So, not today. I mean, but that's where, not you know, it's not, it's not fake it till you make it. It's the embodiment of a mindset that you can trust is proven. So why not start every morning pouring into your own emotional well-being We know, as humans, we just, we give so much to other people before we're filled. And when you make that decision, like I've got to be so filled that I'm overflowing in service and contribution to the rest of the world.
2: It's so true. It's so true. Um, in terms of priority, I mean, I'm guilty of this as well. Well, I will do stuff for other people before I do what I need to do for myself.
0: Yeah. and, And so one of the, one of the things that I have you know, it was just a priority sheet that I asked people to complete because I'm like, you have to look at it every day. And and this was a Lynn Twist thing um, that I learned from her a long time ago was one of the things that she said was that she really looked at her time and money and realized that her life was not in alignment with what she believed her priorities were. And I had to, I had to question the same thing myself. And so part of the process that I take people through now is just write them down and look at them every day. So my priorities are God, my emotional and physical well-being, then my kids, then my family, then my job. And so when I look at that and I have to decide how I'm going to spend my time and my money, it's really easy every day to make decisions. Where so many of us waste so much time like on just low-impact activity that has no return on investment. And I even look at the return on investment with my kids. I'm like, when I'm present with my kids for 15 minutes, it's more than the six hours that my stay-at-home mom friend spent doing um, you know, a thousand different things and was just there. I mean, we just have to really start looking at life from how much impact am I getting from this time that I'm spending on this particular project.
2: Oh, absolutely. So, Kelly, before I let you go, one of the things we ask every dream chaser that comes on the show based on your experience, what is one thing you would recommend another dream chaser do today? One action, one thing they should read, sky's the limit.
0: Yeah. So honestly, I would say write down your vision for how you want to feel in your life and then start taking action towards that vision. And you're going to need an accountability partner. Amy, I know you're a phenomenal coach that can help them with this, but you've got to be humble enough to ask for help. So Mm -hmm. when you get this vision done, you're going to want to start in the area that needs the most help. So if it's your physical state, you know, if you start to really focus on that, it's going to affect business, your kids, your family, your relationships, every other aspect of your life where maybe it's your finances. Maybe you've got to just be real about where you are and start making a plan to be able to get where you want to go. So, you know, creating a vision based off of how you want to feel is the best place that I would tell somebody to start.
2: I love it, Kelly. Thank you so much for all the nuggets of wisdom and just guidance you've shared today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's very much appreciated.
0: Absolutely. And Amy, you know, I do have a amazing gift for everybody that's listening today. So we created a page just for your listeners at bigvoicesrise.com forward slash chasing dreams. And we've got an essential toolkit that's got the vision and the priorities and the goals and our thought management strategy and, and some other tools as well. And, and then a stress reduction video. You can also buy my book, Big Voices, there as well. But hopefully your you know listeners are going to be able to start writing a new story and really just change the way that they feel in their life if they want to.
2: Guys, definitely check that out. Uh, The notes, the link will be in the show notes. So we'll talk about that in a second. Kelly, thank you again. Awesome. Thank you, Amy. It was so fun to be with you. And guys, that was Kelly Resendez. Such a fun conversation. We could have kept talking for so much longer, but alas, we all have things to do. She has a busy life um, and you have dreams to chase. So we couldn't keep going, but you guys can learn more about Kelly and find all of the links we mentioned on the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 166. That's episode 166. Until next time, dream chasers, keep chasing.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams.